Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome in. Welcome to episode 68 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. It's great to be back. It's been a, it's actually, last week was a pretty crap week for me because I had some work training at the wilds and that was actually one of the worst weeks, but also one of the most fun weeks of my life, if that makes any kind of sense. I had a great time with, I met like 10 really cool people and it was awesome to hang out with them every day for like 10 hours, but also the training was just super intense and it was rough for, you know, 10 hours a day doing book work plus going out on, on the zipline course and doing stuff every day and practicing rescues and stuff, which was, it was cool, but it was also rough. Um, but yeah, now I'm officially a zipliner at the wilds, which is, um, that's really cool. Um, and then the last couple days have had uh, major troubles with my laptop with internet connection. And so I've been wanting to get an episode out sooner and I've been wanting to try to do my two week thing. And this laptop, it's an old laptop at the junkie laptop and it's been failing me, but um, finally got it working and I didn't really want to record anything until it was working because if this thing decided to poop itself on me, then, you know, any recording I have, you know, is kind of irrelevant by the time maybe it does start working again. So, but anyways, I'm, I'm here now. Great stuff in sports is going on right now. Uh, NBA playoffs. Some stuff in the NFL offseason wise. It's incredible stuff going on. Um, but we're going to start with the NBA playoffs. Uh, the Golden State Warriors swept the Portland Trailblazers to reach their fifth straight NBA finals, and they're going for their fourth title in five years. Should be their fifth straight title, really, if you because they should have won the 2016 finals, but that's a whole other. Debate that we can have another day, but yeah, the Warriors are going to be competing for their fourth championship in in five years. Um, and then they did it all in that series without Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant did not play, and Steph Curry, like I mentioned, eleven days ago in the last episode, he reminded us all of why he's a two time MVP, a unanimous MVP, one of the greatest shooters of all time, probably the best shooter of all time, and one of the more revolutionary players of our time. Um, I think Steph Curry is the most revolutionary player, not just in basketball, but in sports. There's not many people, not many athletes who completely changed how a sport was played. And and how how everything works. Um, Steph Curry eliminated big men who can't shoot in this game. He eliminated basically power forwards and centers who play back to the basket and kind of don't really venture out past mid-range. Um, basically, big men in this league nowadays have to be able to at least shoot an 18-footer 
but also kind of have to space the floor, spread it out a little bit, and hit a three-pointer. There's no there's no room in this game anymore for back-to-the-basket centers. You see centers all the time now working on their three-point shot. Power forwards working on their three-point shot. Like Andre Drummond is working on his three-ball. Um, players who usually just live around the rim... They're they're working on trying to venture out so that way they become they can still be impactful players. Steph Curry has eliminated players who are unable to shoot in this league, especially at the four and five spot on the court. And Steph Curry has changed how NBA offenses are schemed and how and how they play and how their offense is focused. You know, in the mid-2000s, it was all about the mid-range and and stuff like that. Like Kobe's mid-range jumper, Tim Duncan bank shots off the block. But Steph Curry made it all about the three ball. He made the Warriors, he gave the Warriors their identity with his shooting. And then he just changed how how the league, how the rest of the league plays. It was kind of like a monkey see, monkey do. Once the warrior, the Warriors did it and were successful and they won a championship, the rest of the, le- of the league started copycatting. He has changed how teams have to play in order to win in this league. The Milwaukee Bucks are a, be- a great three-point shooting team. The Houston Rockets take the most threes and probably make the most threes out of anybody in any given regular season. They've adjusted. And that's why teams like the Los Angeles Lakers didn't make the playoffs this year because they weren't a three-point shooting team. They didn't have great three-point shooters. And as a result, they didn't win a ton of games. Granted, they had injuries and other issues that were going on within the team, but they had playmakers, not shooters. And you can't you can't win a lot of games like that in this league. You're Likely not going to win a championship like that in this league. And Steph Curry has kind of changed that, the whole dynamic of the game for for the NBA. And not even the NBA, not even just the NBA. He has changed how teams play and how kids play at the college, high school, and even middle school level. He has changed how every young teenager trains and how how they want to play the game. People think, you know, everybody wants to be like LeBron or like a Giannis or KD. Nobody, there is a very rare bunch on this on this planet that can grow up to be that size, have that much strength, and have all those athletic gifts to be able to do what a LeBron James does, Giannis, or any of those guys. But Steph Curry. He is the most relatable guy in the league. Short, small, undersized, doesn't weigh a ton, and can shoot. And not everybody's going to be able to dunk a basketball or be extremely athletic. You can't really change that. But you can work on a jump shot. And Steph Curry is who kids aspire to be now. That's that's what Steph Curry has done for the world, it's, he is—he has become a beacon 
for what players want to be like. He's changed how 13-year-old kids train every day, always shooting jump shots, not playing around the rim anymore. College basketball teams are now using the three ball uh, more frequently. They're changed, They're adjusting their styles of play to um, focus it around three-point shooting and perimeter shooting. And that's how it's working with high school, too. It's just a trickle-down effect. And right now, Steph Curry's arguably the world's best player. I was thinking KD uh, would take over that role from LeBron after this season. And although Kevin Durant is very talented, and he might be the most talented offensive player in the league, I think Steph Curry is, he might be the best player in the world right now. Two-time MVP, three-time champ, and he took a back seat to a player who is more offensively gifted than him. And he's virtually egoless. He doesn't have an ego. doesn't care what people think of him. Doesn't care about taking a backseat. Doesn't care about sacrificing his gifts for others to thrive. He might be the world's best player right now, and he is certainly the most revolutionary player, probably in sports history. Like, there's no player in the NFL who changed how you played football. Like Tom Brady. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. He didn't change how football was played. Um, Lawrence Taylor was an amazing edge rusher, but he didn't change how the game was played. It made it difficult for teams to play the game they wanted, but he didn't change. He didn't change the game for every team. He didn't shape the league. Steph Curry is solely responsible for an an entire shift in play by an entire league. He is the one that set the whole three-point shot in motion. And he's he's incredible, man. He is he epitomizes what every kid wants to grow up to be who who loves basketball. He's the most uh, skilled shooter of my lifetime that I've ever seen. He's the most skilled shooter in NBA history. And our, I think right now he might, like the, the way he's playing, he might be the best player in the world. And I am not kidding. And I think this NBA Finals, which I, I'll get to the other side of in a minute, I think he's going to absolutely thrive if Kevin Durant doesn't play. And if they win the finals without KD or if KD plays a limited role, Steph Curry's going to take that best player in the world um, crown and everyone will bow down to him because he is just so great. He's so revolutionary and he's iconic to NBA history. On the other side of things, 
the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, when I was going to do this episode last week, the Milwaukee Bucks were up 2-1 over the Toronto Raptors. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks won the first two games, and then the Toronto Raptors won four straight and beat the Milwaukee Bucks in six. And the Toronto Raptors are going to reach their first NBA Finals in league history, in franchise history. So that's huge news for that. That's incredible for them. And it's it's actually really interesting because I actually do think Toronto has a shot. I don't think they're going to beat the Warriors. I don't think any team can beat the Warriors in the finals. But people forget the was it last year or was it I think it was last no, it wasn't last year. It was the year before. Kawhi Leonard was on the Spurs. It was game 1 of the Western Conference Finals and Kawhi was dominating. The Spurs were up 20 in Oracle and Zaza Pachulia landed in Kawhi's airspace, turned his ankle and he was out for the rest of the series. Warriors came back to win that game and he ended up sweeping the Spurs. Kind of changed the whole outlook of that series. And then long story short, a couple injuries later, Kawhi's in Toronto. But I think Kawhi isn't afraid of the of this juggernaut that's the Warriors. I think it's going to be a good series. I think it'll go to six, but I think the Warriors will win in six. Um, but what's really interesting about Kawhi being a part of the Raptors and leading them to the finals, first of all, the only the one of the big reasons why they got to the finals is LeBron James is no longer in the East, which makes it a ton easier. Uh, to to advance in the playoffs. But they get to the finals, and that's huge in their bid to try and retain Kawhi Leonard in the offseason. Kawhi Leonard is, he might be one of the most, he's one of, if not the most sought after free agent coming up this offseason. The Clippers want him. The Lakers want him. The Raptors obviously want to keep him. Other teams are, probably going to look to try and get in the mix. But they're in the NBA Finals. And they're going, yes, they're going up against the Warriors. It's a tall task. But I think that's a very good, a good pitch to Kawhi Leonard to keep him in Toronto. Yes, he's an LA kid. Probably wants to go to LA and live there. But with Toronto, you made it to the Finals. You have a chance now every year for the next five or six years to get out of the East and make it to the finals and possibly win a, win a championship or two. Given that this Warriors team doesn't break up. That's a really interesting sales pitch. Plus like forget, you know, living in LA and having the LA crowd behind you, you would have an entire country behind you in Canada. You're going to have the entire country of Canada supporting the Toronto Raptors, supporting you. What more could you want? Uh, Toronto is an excellent city. One of the, some of the most passionate fans in the world for 
but that's a hockey town, but they do love their basketball. That's a heck of a sales pitch. You're virtually guaranteed a finals appearance every year, barring injuries and other shakeups. And you've got the backing of an entire country. They also started this Kawine and Dine thing to try and keep Kawhi in Toronto. So basically, Kawhi's going to be able to eat for free and drink for free wherever he wants in Canada. He's virtually not going to have to spend a dime while living in, Can- in Toronto in Canada. I think that's the best sales pitch that anyone in the NBA can have. And since they made it to the finals, I don't think Kawhi's going to leave. The only reason he would leave is if maybe they get swept. I don't think they're going to get swept. I think they'll pull, I think they'll get at least one, probably two games. And if that happens, I don't think he's going to leave Toronto. I think he's going to stay put. And the Raptors are going to be a really, really good team. They have Kyle Lowry, who's spotty in the playoffs, but he's a solid point guard. You have Marcus Saul, who's aging, but still a solid uh, floor spacing center. Serge Ibaka, who's an excellent rim protector, can hit the mid-range jumper. Danny Green, a great shooter. Pascal Siakam, who has really improved uh, over the last season. Fred Van Vliet. I mean, that's a good team, and that's a deep team. Jody Meeks is a great three-point shooter coming off the bench. That's a heck of a team, and I don't know if I would want to sacrifice that just to pair up with like KD and uh, with in the in LA with the Clippers. I don't think I would want to sacrifice what I've got going on in Toronto for something that you're going to have. It's it's a whole new thing. You're starting anew. You're going to have to redo it all and go against all those great teams in the West. And I don't think I don't think Kawhi would want to do that. And I certainly want to I certainly wouldn't want to join the LA Lakers because their their front office is a mess. I'm not even messing with that. We don't know who's in charge there. Jeannie Buss seems to be deferring to everybody else. Magic Johnson's gone. LeBron has no control in that organization. Frank Vogel's the coach, but he's a yes man puppet. Um who agreed to let Jason Kidd on the staff because he just wants the Lakers job. I don't really know what's going on with the Lakers and they are the least attractive free agent destination probably in the league, even with having LeBron James on the squad. Um, The Clippers is really the only realistic option I see for, uh, Kawhi Leonard if he wants to leave Toronto. But in all honesty, he shouldn't because he's got it made there in Toronto. He's got a chance to take on the Warriors, steal a game or two, put on a good series. He's been the best player in the playoffs to this point. He's got it made sitting in the Eastern Conference. Barring any major shifts in free agency, like if Katie and Kyrie joined join forces on the Knicks or something like that. As of right now, the Raptors are the best team in the Eastern Conference. They have a chance to win a championship. Why would you want to leave that? I wouldn't.
Um, but anyways, while we're kind of, I, I touched on it a little bit, we're on the topic of the Lakers madness. Um, yeah. I don't know what's going on with their front office. I I don't know what to do with how everything's being run. Magic Johnson felt that he was not given the power he deserved being the president of basketball operations. Felt like he was always getting his toes stepped on. Felt like he never got to make the final decision. There was always too much input by too many people. Um, Not that he didn't want input from people, but there was never a line drawn in the sand. And so Magic had enough, and he left. And I don't fault him for doing that, because I wouldn't want to work in a place where I'm not allowed to do my job. So it would be like, what's the point in even having me if you're not going to let me do my job? Um, But the only way that the LA Lakers are going to be able to attract a free agent this offseason The only way they're going to be able to do it. Don't have all, don't have everybody sitting in the same room when you're pitching to a free agent. Don't have like Genie, uh, the the Rambuses, Rob Palenka, and all those clowns in the front office. Frank Vogel. Maybe, maybe you have Frank Vogel in there because he's that coach, but I would only have three people in that meeting room when you're talking to free agents. I would have Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, and then you're probably going to want the head coach in there. You're probably going to want Frank Vogel. But I don't want Frank Vogel opening his mouth unless he is directly asked a question. I want Kobe Bryant and LeBron James doing all the talking. That's all I want. And that's all that should happen in that meeting room when the Lakers meet with free agents this offseason if they're given that opportunity to meet with a marquee free agent. LeBron and Kobe are the only ones allowed in the room. Aside from maybe if you want to have Jeannie in there and maybe Frank Vogel. But neither of the two are allowed to talk unless directly spoken to. I don't want them leading any conversations. Just like LeBron do all the talking and Kobe can chime in as well. This is LeBron's team. They have to. The only way that this Lakers team is going to work is if LeBron takes over the organization. And I don't I don't like when LeBron does that, but it's the only way that they're going to be successful. LeBron needs to just tell everyone to be quiet, zip their mouths, and he needs to do all the recruiting. He's already started actively recruiting Kawhi and um, Kyrie Irving and those guys. Just let him do all the talking. Him and Kobe Bryant, only ones allowed to talk in that meeting, and that's it. Don't even bring anyone else in. Don't let the dumb Rambuses sit in on the meeting because they're the quote-unquote president of basketball operations or the presidents of basketball operations. I don't even know what they're doing. They're just buffoons. They have no idea what they're doing. 
Um, no one in that front office is credible enough to sit down with one of those free agents this offseason, whether it's Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson or Kawhi or Kyrie or Kemba or Jimmy Butler. None of those guys are qualified to sit down with them, and I don't want them talking because they've ruined it over the past decade. <laughs> but that's what I would do if I were if I were them this offseason is just have Kobe and LeBron do all the talking. Um but yeah, so the NBA finals that'll be coming up. I don't know what dates exactly. It's probably going to be the start of June when the NBA finals start. Um but kind of want to shift to some NFL stuff because the offseason is still going on. Um, and it's May, so we still have a couple more months until football season, man. I'm really excited, but um, can't wait. Um, but right now the Dallas Cowboys are in contract negotiations with several of their young star players, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, I think they've begun talks with Jalen Smith. Um, They've also started talking with Amari Cooper. A lot of really, really good players on their squad need new deals within the next year or two. Um, And I'm going to go through just the, the, the big three on offense with Zeke, Dak, and Amari. Um, We'll start with Dak. Dak absolutely needs to be re-signed. Anytime you find a quarterback in this league who can play, you you sign him. I think he is extremely underrated. Most people like to dog on him because he is not uh, extremely accurate and he can't really throw a an amazing deep ball. But this guy is... Second in the league in winning percentage since he's come in into the league behind Tom Brady. He's won the second most games out of any active quarterback. That's Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan and Big Ben Roethlisberger and Russell Wilson and Phillip Rivers and all those great quarterbacks. Andrew Luck, he's got more wins than all of them right behind Tom Brady. What more can you want from a quarterback? I don't care what the numbers are for a quarterback. If you're winning games and you're making plays when it matters most, whether it's with your arm or with your legs or with your brain, I want you on my team. Do I think Dak's worth $30 million? No, I don't think he's worth $30 million. Are they gonna are the Cowboys gonna pay him $30 million? Probably. They're probably gonna reach, overpay. I don't think it's gonna be it's not going to be the right amount. I wouldn't pay more than $25 million for, for Dak because you've got so many other players that you need to save money for. But if you're going to want to lock up your quarterback, then I guess you're going, you're going to have to pay him. If he won't do more than $30 million or won't do less than $30 million, I would bite the bullet and pay him $30 million because 
No, like no team wants to be like the Browns, where you have a constant revolving door of quarterbacks every year. Every year, you're drafting one in the first round within the top ten picks. I want a quarterback who can play, and I'm going to stick with him until he proves to me otherwise that he can't. And Dak has had three straight winning seasons: twelve and four, nine and seven, ten and six. Three straight winning seasons, second most wins since coming into the league in uh, 2016. And he's right behind Tom Brady, who's the greatest quarterback of all time. What more can you want? The only stat that matters to me is the W, the W column. Do you have more W's than you have L's? And if you do, then I want you on my team leading my team. I don't care if you're throwing for 350 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, that's great. It's great if you're putting on MVP numbers, but I don't need that. I just need you to win. I don't care if we win every game three to nothing. We're winning football games. And if my quarterback is keeping me in position to win a football game each and every week, then I'm going to re-sign that quarterback. $30 million is probably a reach. I would pay anywhere in the range of 22 to 25 million dollars and really not a penny more. I really wouldn't go higher than 25 million. He's a he's a really good quarterback. I think he's a I think he's a top 10 quarterback in the league, top 12. I wouldn't pay him 30, but I certainly would pay him 25. We'll see what the Cowboys do. I don't think they have to pay him until next year, but We'll see what they decide to do. They they will pay him one way or another. They're not going to let him go. Um, now, shifting to Amari Cooper, I think this deal absolutely needs done as well. The Cowboys were, I think, 7-2 and two after Amari Cooper arrived in Dallas. They lost their, fir- their first game to get um, with him to the Tennessee Titans. He just... Got traded to the team like the week prior, so he had no time to really get used to the system. Didn't play a lot of snaps. And then right after that, he was incredible. The only other game they lost after that was against the Colts. And they had a bad day that day. The whole team didn't play well. That's fine. 7-2 and two with Amari Cooper when he since they traded for him. He's got an incredible relationship with Dak Prescott. They need to re-sign him. I don't care if you're making him the highest paid player or highest paid receiver in football if it's $19 million or whatever it is. He is the best route running wide receiver in the league. He's probably the, the fastest of the elite receivers in the league. And he's got... Good hands. He didn't. Now, a lot of people may. You might laugh when I say he's got great hands because he, he actually had like the the most drops in the league uh, the season prior with the Raiders. But with the Cowboys, he was incredible. He rarely ever dropped a pass. It, that's a deal that those two deals absolutely need to get done. The one deal that I am hesitant about is Ezekiel Elliott. 
I, I want him re-signed, I, and I'm saying this as a Cowboys fan, but I think the Cowboys should re-sign Ezekiel Elliott because he's the engine that makes them go. He provides a huge threat running the football and also out of the backfield as a receiving option. He's very talented, and he, and he provides a huge threat, and he's probably the best running back in the league. Um, But the Cowboys are flirting with the idea of paying him $15, $16 million and making him the highest paid running back in the NFL. Does anyone remember what happened to Todd Gurley after he got paid by the Rams? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he sucked. He virtually he was virtually non-existent. He had one good game against the Cowboys in the, in the divisional round of the of the playoffs last year, had over 100 yards rushing and a touchdown, maybe two touchdowns, whatever it was. And he disappeared. He didn't play. He played like four snaps in the Super Bowl. He was unbelievably bad. And nowhere to be found. I don't want that to happen to Zeke. I don't want him getting all that money and then he's not on the field. And running backs have a very short shelf life. They've got probably the shortest shelf life of any position in the league and that's because of the wear and tear they put on their bodies each and every down and how often they get carries in a game and how often they touch the ball and Zeke has got one of the highest usage rates among running backs in the league outside of Le'Veon Bell who took a year off I think it would be a mistake to pay him $15 million or $16 million or whatever the case may be. I wouldn't do it. Running backs, it's like a you can get decent running backs in later rounds in the draft. Running backs are kind of like a revolving, almost a, like a revolving door. You You find a great one, you have them for six or seven years through maybe two contracts, and then you kind of cut ties because... Once they hit the age of 30, they're not, they're more often than not, nine times out of 10, not great running backs anymore. So, yes, Zeke should be re signed to an, an, extent, an, an extension, if I can talk. But he shouldn't be making $15 million because no running back in, in the NFL deserves that much, especially with their usage rate and how quickly they can be run into the ground. The Cowboys drafted. Two running backs in the draft this year. Tony Pollard from Memphis, who is a tremendous punt and kick returner and also a a speedy receiving back. And then they drafted Mike Weber in the seventh round from Ohio State, who was a great between-the-tackles runner with the Buckeyes. Like, honestly, the Cowboys could honestly just wait on Zeke, pick up his fifth-year option next year, and if he holds out, you got Mike Weber, who I thought was actually better than a seventh round pick. I don't know how he fell that far, but he was you took him in the seventh round, you've got some great depth at running back now. After this year, and then if you pick up his option next year, after five years, you could let Zeke walk, and you could have Mike Weber as your starting running back, and it really wouldn't be it wouldn't be a huge downgrade. Now, Mike Weber is unproven in the NFL, 
but it wouldn't be the worst downgrade in the world. I I think Mike Weber, if he was a starter, could be a really, really solid back in this league. And because of that, because they drafted all that depth, it leads me to believe that long-term they may not want to stick with Zeke or maybe they don't pay him as much and they've got a backup plan in case you know he hits a wall or goes downhill. Um, but those are three guys that the Cowboys want and need to re-sign in some capacity. And they're looking to get it done before training camp this, uh, before the start of the season. So we'll see where they go with these three players who are some of the best in the league. Um, this is kind of older news. Um, actually, I want to, I want to go back to Zeke for a second before I transition. Um, Another reason why I would be hesitant to re-sign Zeke is because of all the off-the-field off issues he's he's had over the years as well, over three seasons. Um, he was obviously sus- uh, suspended for six games um, last year. Like, not this past season, but the season before, 2017. Um, but... He also just recently had an incident where he got into a scuffle with, I think, security at an event. Wasn't arrest he he was detained, but he wasn't charged or arrested. The league, I don't think, is gonna discipline Zeke. I don't I don't think the Cowboys are gonna discipline Zeke. They said that they're not gonna let this incident affect negotiations with him. But if he's constantly getting in trouble and it's kind of like a yearly thing, I wouldn't want to re-sign that. I don't care how talented you are. I wouldn't do it. So that's another point that I kind of wanted to make there because it seems like Zeke Elliott needs a babysitter in the offseason because I can't trust him to keep his nose clean and just do what he needs to do and just not get in trouble. But anyways, going back to what I was going to say, um, the Tampa Bay Bucks, kind of older news, they cut their star defensive tackle, who's kind of aging, uh, Gerald McCoy. He was set to make, I think, $15 million this year. They got him off the books. And then they signed Nadamakan Sue to a one-year deal worth $9 million, or nine or so million, nine ten. So you're freeing up about five or six million dollars in cap. And you're getting a defensive tackle who is really not far off of Gerald McCoy as far as talent. Um, but Gerald McCoy is one of the better defensive players in the NFL. He's on the market. Immediately, two teams that I see as a fit. The Dallas Cowboys are looking for some some depth on the defensive front. The New York Giants also need some help on the defensive front. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if a team like the Bengals uh, goes after him. They said they were interested. They need some help on the defensive line. Um, That'll be interesting to see where he goes because I can't see him sitting on the market much longer 
um, before training camp start. So keep an eye out for him. If I had to make a prediction, the only team that I've seen that has really had any kind of interest has been the Bengals, but they're not a win-now situation, and he wants to win now. He wants to go to a team that's going to win now. Honestly, an an NFC East team would make the most sense. Any team that's probably not the Redskins would work. And the Redskins don't need defensive line help. They've got a, they've got a really solid defensive front. But the Eagles, the Cowboys, and even the Giants who seem to be a little bit better, even though they lost some talented guys. But, I mean, that would be an upgrade and that would make them a, a decent team barring their quarterback situation. Their defense would be solid. Um, I'm not sure what other team would would want to get into the running for his services, but he's a guy that I would. He's obviously him and Eric Berry are two free agents that are the biggest right now in the league, and I don't know how either of them are still on the market. But I want to transition into this to close out tonight's show. Uh, this will drop on Monday on Memorial Day. So happy Memorial Day um, to you all. Hopefully the weather is nice wherever you're at, wherever you're listening. So, um, But anyways, uh, the, the New York Jets, they fired their GM. Uh, several weeks back, and it was kind of a whole deal. It was kind of interesting just reading about it. Um, supposedly, Adam Gase wasn't on board with the Le'Veon Bell signing, and they didn't want to pay a running back all that money. And he... Obviously, he would have a use for him, but just the money aspect of things kind of scared him a little bit. And so they got rid of their GM, and they were interested in getting Peyton Manning. Um, but since then, and I'm kind of going all, uh, all over the place on this, but since then, Adam Gase has said that they would be foolish to trade Le'Veon Bell. And there's no plans to trade Le'Veon Bell, although they were it was reported earlier that you know, they Gase wanted to. But Adam Gase has now said he doesn't want to trade Le'Veon Bell, which I think would, would be dumb. They're only paying him $13 million, which is still a lot, but it's not as much as Le'Veon wanted. But back to the Peyton Manning thing, they wanted to bring in Peyton Manning to be the GM. A lot of teams have been wanting Peyton Manning for several years now. Um, but I wouldn't go to the New York Jets. I think they're an up-and-coming team. I think they're going to be good in a couple of years. But their front office is kind of sketchy, man. I don't like their front office. And quite honestly, I like Peyton Manning a lot better in those nationwide commercials he does with with Brad Paisley, the, the famous country singer. And I know he did the Gatorade Fierce commercials for a while, Papa John's. I don't know if he still does those or not, but I like him a lot more uh, 
kind of on the TV side of things, commercials, whatever it is. Um, I know that a lot of broadcasting uh, networks have wanted him to be an analyst for whether it's ESPN for Monday Night Football or on Fox or whatever it is. I know Peyton Manning is a name that people have wanted. I would be thoroughly entertained with Peyton Manning being in the booth, in the booth because he's one of the smartest guys the, the league has ever seen. And he does the, the whole ESPN detail thing, the ESPN Plus uh, little show that he does with football, analyzing quarterbacks and stuff and plays. But I, I if I were Peyton Manning, I wouldn't want to get involved with the Jets because I don't like their front office as a whole. Although they're an up-and-coming team with a talented roster. If I'm Peyton Manning and I want a GM job, I'm waiting for a better opportunity with better management in place and a semi-decent roster. That's what I'm looking for. I wouldn't throw away all the nationwide commercials and the Brad Paisley fun and all that just for a GM job with the New York Jets. I would want to go somewhere else. As of right now, anyways. But anyways, that's going to close out the show for today on the 26th of May. I'm officially a zipline tour guide with the Wilds, and that's really exciting. Had all my training last week. That was, ran from 8 a.m. to like 6, uh, 6.30 on most days, uh, Monday through Friday. That was a rough week, one of the best weeks of my life, though. And obviously I'm new at it, so there'll be hiccups early on, but I think it's going to be really fun, and I'm really appreciative to be a part of the Wilds team. Some amazing staff there and amazing managers that I met um, and got to know a little bit. So I'm really excited to do that. And the Wilds is a big tourist destination, so if you're not from the Ohio area and you've never been to the wilds and you're coming through and you're going to the wilds, sign up for a zipline tour because you may catch me. So, and if you listen to the podcast, that's even cooler. Um, but yeah. So, and my computer's finally working. Hopefully it stays working so I can keep that, keep things rolling. Got to be more active on social media. I suck at social media, dude. I'm terrible at social media. I don't post. I just scroll through it every day. It's weird. Like I'm on it like all the time it feels like. But I don't post anything. And that's bad of me. Plus I've got this new video editing software. That I'm trying to do my videos on now. For YouTube. I'm using a webcam that's not. Tr- it's not tremendously great quality. I'm probably going to look to get a new webcam camera, but I'm going to try this out for a video. And if it doesn't work and I don't like it and it doesn't look great on YouTube, then I will just go back to doing the videos the old way just with my iPhone because I know that that's a good quality camera. Um, I won't be able to do all the fun transition stuff 
and like all the fun stuff you can do with video editing software. But hey, um, that's cool. It's still content. Um, but yeah, it's awesome. So um, yeah, so this is going to be dropping on a Monday. We'll see you guys later in the week around Thursday or Friday for episode 69 of WFS. This is the Will Ford Show.